With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a Turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined for the latest news and to get into the weekend mailbag with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Got a little bit of football news today. Getting closer and closer to uh, you know having actual football news and getting to watch players actually run around on football fields. So that's good. One of those guys that may be running around on the football field, but it won't be for the Jets, is Rashard Robinson. Mike McCagnan used the fifth rounder to trade for him a couple of years ago, but the cornerback disappointed. Flashed some talent here and there, but just never got it together, and today he gets released. Yeah, you know, uh, the Rashad Robinson experiment, his time here ends. Uh, he just n- was never able to do anything to, you know, really create a foothold on this team to give anybody a reason why he should stay. He had, you know, some off-the-field issues too, but really he just couldn't contribute enough on the field. And, you know, it was just a fifth-round pick, so it, it's hard to get too upset at McCagnin for it, but that's definitely not going to go in the pro column of his uh, trade successes uh, from, his, from his Jets career here. More than likely not, although he did make a trade during the draft that led to an extra draft pick that we'll talk about in a bit because today at Florham Park, All of the rookies were made available, with the exception of Chuma Adoga. Everybody talked to you guys after rookie orientation. So we're going to get to what the players had to say. But first, this was also the first opportunity that the Jets beat has had to question Adam Gase after all the rumors came out about the turmoil and obviously after the draft and the draft picks. So he seemed to not be all that thrilled to have to do that today. Watched a little bit of this, and you were there live, so you can take us through it. He said that this, quote, pisses him off. Didn't deny it, so you can take that for what it's worth, but he didn't seem pleased about it. And then he had, obviously, some words about Sam Darnold, some of the draft picks, and everything else that's going on around the team. So unpack everything as somebody that was in the room during the questioning. Yeah, you know, he he wasn't grilled about it. He was asked about it. He definitely, you know tried to take a hard stance and talk about how it really pissed him off was his exact word. It kind of pisses me off a little bit. And uh, then he kind of got into his semantics bag, uh, you know, talking about how they have discussions on everything and the disagreement's good. If everybody disagreed on everything, it would be boring and cool. Yeah, that's all true. And, and obviously disagreements happen and the most functional of every type of relationship you can think of. But that's not the case here. That We're not talking about minor disagreements here. We are talking about actual tension, about people thinking that he is actually starting to do, and I'm going to say this, a longer term of a power play here. This isn't something that he's not, he was never trying to push McCagnin out right away. He 
wasn't calling for his job right away, but there's some tension bubbling up. Christopher Johnson was spending more time around to monitor the relationship and what was going on in and out of the building. That's not happening for no reason. He didn't just randomly decide to do that. Uh, since uh, you know we had the draft and everything before uh, today happened, I had talked to some people inside the Jets building, Jets sources that have confirmed there is tension there. There's there is a lot of truth to these rumors. Again, it's not saying that he's going to get, try to get McCagnan fired now. McCagnan is no danger of his job losing now. It's just something to keep an eye on, particularly if this season doesn't go very well for the Jets. If this season goes great, if, if they make the playoffs, I don't think he'll, he'll be able to do anything then, and I think he's probably smart enough to know that he won't be pushing the power play too hard at that point because they will be having, you know, coming off a successful season. But there's something here, and he can do the whole deflecting thing by trying to act really mad about it. But really, he was mad that it got out. He said that, you know, unless I say it, it's really irrelevant to me. Okay, cool. That, that's great. You can say that. But that's not how the world works. <laughs> like, other people can know stuff. You don't have to say it. And for the people I know, there's obviously, I've been staying off Twitter, but I know there's a segment of Jets fans that are still clinging to this idea that it's all made up and uh, uh, whatever. What would you expect him to say? Did you really think that if, if it was true that he was going to say, yes, it's true, there's tension? No, this is the lying business that coaches, GMs, they all lie to us in the media all the time. This happens. So, there's truth here. I don't expect it. The, the the rough part, at least for this season, is over with. They got through the you know the choppy waters here because it, there's not going to be too many different uh, player acquisition and moves for McCagnin to make. He's going to let Gase handle most of the roster structuring and this and that. So the choppy waters, they're past that for this year. Got to wait and see how the season plays out and, and we'll go from there. But this is something to keep an eye on for the future. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Listen carefully to the words that Adam Gase said. He said this stuff pisses him off. He doesn't read these things. He never flat out said that it wasn't true. He went on and talked about how not every coach and general manager sees eye to eye on every single thing. There's going to be disagreements. What Chris is saying is... There's a reason why these reports were circulating. They'd been known around the league for quite a while. Chris and Rich Semini are two people that are very trusted reporters on the Jets beat. They both talked about this. They didn't say that Mike McCagnin was going to be fired, and I think that's the only part of this that people look at and say, whoa, they said Mike McCagnin was going to get fired, so this whole story isn't true. No, because that was what one report said, but all the subsequent reports said, Yes, all of the other stuff is true, but McCagnin's not going to get fired right now, but it is part of a longer-term power play. So again, Adam Gase can say what he wants to, and he can be the big angry, I'm just here to win football games and screw you press. I don't really care how he treats the press if he wins games. It's not really the point. Nor but, do I. <laughs> yeah, and it's not really the point, but the bottom line is there is something going on here. He didn't deny it for a reason. And the whole I'm angry at everybody for reporting it bit, 
may work well with a certain segment of fans, but that same certain segment of fans is going to turn on him hard if he doesn't win football games. So for now, he can do the whole, I'm giving it to the press routine, but once we get into the season, he better put up or shut up. And like I said, I really don't care at all if he hurts the press's feelings. It's not about that. It's the fact that the main elements of this story absolutely have some truth to it. There's no doubt about it, and that's why he went out of his way to walk around it and just say how mad he is that he has to talk about it, essentially. But it wasn't the only thing that he had to talk about, Chris. He had to talk about a couple of other things, including young Sam Darnold. So why don't you unpack the rest of what Adam Gase had to say during this presser? Yeah, well, the one thing, you know, he talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, the Le'Veon Bell and not being around for voluntary camps, he talked about again. And he made very good points on this. This is what Le'Veon Bell does, and he's never not been ready for a season. This isn't a holdout situation. He doesn't show up for these things. He never has. He, it, when he's happy with his contract, he does on his own schedule. He works out and he trains on his own. And that's he said, if anybody has a problem with it, then take it up with the NFLPA. And take like that's what you have to do. That's how the rules are written. And he's more comfortable spending this time training, uh, you know, on his own. He was in the building yesterday. We'll talk about this uh, a little bit later. We're talking about Quinn and Williams, but Quinn and Williams saw Le'Veon Bell yesterday. So it's not like they don't know where he is. They can't get in contact with him. It's not a big deal. He's not concerned about it. And he's going to be ready when they need him to be ready. It's that simple. So I'm sure there's still people freaking out about that and still wanting to slam him for that. But that's pretty much over and done with. With Sam Darnold, he gushed about Sam Darnold more. And you could see it and you could hear it and feel it in his voice about how excited he is about the ability to coach this kid, to coach a 21-year-old kid right now with all this talent. And he talked about, you know, how he watched him maneuver around the building, how he watches his relationships with other people in the building, the way he carries himself. And then he just went on to talk about just watching him just throw the football and just talk about how great it is, how beautiful it is to just watch him throw. You can really sense and see how excited he is to coach him. I will say this, though. There was, it was funny last year, uh, you know, last year, the, the end of the season before that, we were all making jokes about how Todd Bowles' demeanor and personality had changed. And he had a kind of dead man walking vibe. And then at the beginning of last year, mini camps and training camp, he turned into this a, a different person, all giddy and excited. And that was largely due to Sam Darnold's presence. He felt that like he got a second life there with him. It didn't work out for Bowles, but... Gase has that same giddiness and excitement about Sam Darnold and his ability to coach him and just how you could tell he's like, yes, I can't believe this 21-year-old kid that's this much of a finished product with this much talent is right here for me to mold. And if I can do it right, then I'm going to get all this credit for it. And you can just see it and sense it from him. And it was definitely palpable. and It was definitely a pleasure and enjoyment to watch. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Just circling back to Le'Veon Bell for a second, 
Bart Scott really laid this out on WFAN the other day, talking about when he was an undrafted free agent with the Baltimore Ravens, how many times he saw Peter Bulware and Chris McAllister and Ray Lewis and Ed Reed at off-season conditioning and voluntary workouts. The answer was never. That's just how these things go. For all the Steelers fans that are all upset and trying to rub it in on the Jets like this means anything, Ben Roethlisberger last year skipped these workouts to go on a family vacation because he's big Ben Roethlisberger and he can. He doesn't need to prove himself. That's what these guys do. Brady, Gronk, those guys never there. Okay, you could go down the line. Troy Palomalu, if you want to go back to the Steelers, notorious for never showing up. Guys at this level don't go because they don't have to. And he's shown on his Instagram over and over again the level of workouts that he's putting himself through. It's not like he's putting out videos where he's drinking beers and going out and partying till 3 o'clock in the morning and not putting in the work. Then maybe we would say, well, he's not showing up and he's putting up these weird videos that are making him look bad. I might be a little concerned. No, he's a guy that's a multi-time all-pro. He's been through this. He's a big enough star that he doesn't have to concern himself with being there. He can work on his own personal regimen, which he's talked about before, and which all the players that I just listed worry about. They don't worry about being at these voluntary practices. That's just the way it is. And as Adam Gase said, if you got a problem with it, take it up with the NFLPA. But these players never have any problems performing, so I don't know why anybody is upset whatsoever about Le'Veon Bell unless they're just trying to make a story out of this because they need something to run with right now because the news is a little slow. But Chris, you guys did get a little bit of news beyond Gase's quotes about Le'Veon Bell and about Sam Darnold and, of course, about the reported strife with Mike McCagnin. This was your first opportunity to talk to the rookies all of them except for Chuma Adoga. So talk to me a little bit about what you heard from these guys, especially Quentin Williams, who seemed like a kid at a candy store. I mean, do we have an, about 12 years for me to just gush about Quentin <laughs> Williams? Because I could do it. I could talk for about 12 years straight just about, the, about this kid. Listen, he came into the room and just lit the room up the second his he turned through that doorway. He had this big old smile on his face, this, uh, that young baby face, braces shining and showing for all of us to see, and he's just laughing and giggling as he's walking up there, he, and you could see on his face, he was just like, these people are here for me, this is cool, let's do this, and uh, I I was listening back um, uh, to you know the recording, and I, I had put my recorder up there, He, you can hear him walk up there, and then before everybody's uh, gets a chance to ask a question. You can just hear him kind of like chuckling to himself and just like giggling to himself. And he's just like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And uh, he has such an infectious personality. He's a big giant kid, man. He's just, I can't imagine this kid not having fun doing anything. And he was just, every question asked of him, it was just like, oh, shucks, man, this is awesome. And he talked about, you know, Leonard Williams and uh, what a fan he was. And he's just like, yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, I, I saw a Le- Lev Bell and it's just like, oh my God, we got the best running back in the league. And he's talking about Jamal Adams. Hey, Jamal Adams on my ultimate team for Madden. 
He's like, I'm even playing him at cornerback. He's my number one cornerback. And it's just like <laughs> this little kid just filled with joy, just like exploding from him. And I'm just like, man, can I just clone him and just have like him just follow me around? So uh, every time like, you know, life gets a little annoying, he can just be – that guy can just be sitting there with his big smile on his face, just laughing and joking about everything. It's just this kid. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, him as a football player and how if the fans are going to grow to love him as a football player, his ability to, to rush the passer. Gase talked about that too. Gase made a very pointed point to talk about his ability as a pass rusher, not just as an inside a defensive lineman. You're gonna fans are gonna love him on there, but his this kid, his personality off off the field, fans are gonna absolutely fall in love with this kid. He was just a pleasure and a delight to just listen to and watch. I'm gonna have so much fun covering him. It's it's insane. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. The funniest line I heard about Quinn and Williams was my buddy Jason Love, who described Quinn and Williams as a really over-the-top friendly version of Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, that that, that works. <laughs> that makes sense. I can I can see it. And uh, yeah, he's like he's just a kid in a candy store, man. I, I I can't imagine that kid being upset about it. like oh man, it it was really fun to just watch and just listen to. What about the rest of the draft picks? Take me through Jakai Polite, Blessing Austin, Blake Cashman, and of course Trevon Wesco. All right, I will start with uh, Jakai Polite. He came out and, you know, he did confirm that there was probably a, there was something to his uh, immaturity issues, whatever you want to call it. He didn't go into detail about it, but he said, you know, since he's grown from him, he's learned from him. He's kind of had his eyes opened up to what he was doing wrong. And he, he was pressed about it. He was just, you know, there was some maturity issues, which, again, 21-year-old kid, we we this uh, pick apart these kids' maturity way too much, and I know that you know it. You, a twenty-one year old kid has, going into the NFL does have to be more mature than just a twenty-one year old kid, you know, not going into the NFL. But he's got plenty of room to grow there. He talked about you know he went to the high, same high school as Leonard Williams. Uh, he was in eighth grade when Leonard graduated, so he got to watch Leonard Williams there. He's got, you know, obviously Marcus May and Brian Poole. He has a somewhat of a relationship from going to the same school there. He talked about just wanting to lean on, you know, the veterans and learn from them. Same with Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams, too. He's talked about wants to play for 10 to 14 years, and he's going to lean on all those guys. But you guy polite again, he – he did confirm that there was some stuff there. It's it wasn't just you know he wasn't mad about the scout that being reported. He understands it. He says he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he does feel like he was a more talented player than where he got drafted. But he understands and he's ready to to prove everybody wrong and to show everybody that he's worth it and that he can be as great as he knows he can be and to live up to that Twitter handle of his and actually retire his mom. He was asked about that and was, you could see he really wants to just take care of his mom and support his mom. And just that, that motivation and that drive behind him should be enough to carry him through there. He, you know, he talked about his, his uh, favorite player to grow up watching, uh, from the outside uh, linebacker position was Dwight, uh, Dwight Freeney. 
He hasn't mastered the white Freeney spin move quite yet. He said he's not nearly on that level, but he would like to work up to there one day. Uh, with Bless on Austin, I mean, the, he was next up to talk. And let me tell you, I don't know, uh, you know, how well he'll do on the field. I don't know about his injury history or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I, I obviously know the medical history, but I don't know how his chances of bouncing back reoccurring the injury anything like that but this kid is a believer in himself he is ultra confident and listening to him talk i'm not going to tell him he's wrong he he believes it he sold me i believe it too it's going to take a little while but you know this kid from all reports everything said he is a super talented kid it's the injuries that have been holding him back but he does not lack confidence at all he is happy to be here to be so close to home uh to have all that and he's determined to work out and to rehab and get better and better and just he he's talked about studying bigger corners because he's a bigger guy he's got longer arms uh richard sherman patrick peterson he said he did make a point to say the only shorter smaller cornerback i studied was darrell revis he talked about Darrell's consistency and just his technique and the strength he had. So he he did focus on that. But this kid is incredibly confident. And like I said, listening to him, I'm not going to tell him he's wrong. Uh, Blake Cashman came out. He talked. He you know he he was a, a little bit less of a character than than Quinnen Williams and uh and what was didn't come out with the same over the top uber confidence as uh, confidence is blessed on. But he came out, he talked a little bit, nothing too much, but he's mostly focused, a lot of the questions focused on him as a special teamer. He knows, he seems to understand that going into year one, fifth round draft pick, he's got to make his, uh, you know, he's going to make his mark with special teams. That's how he's going to cement his spot on the roster. But he's, you know, fundamentally sound. He talked about his athletic ability, how he can move up and down the field. So he's a player to watch out for. But he seems to know and understand that he's got to make his, uh, you know, his tremendous spot here with going with special teams. And I've been watching, rewatching Justified a little bit. So Trayvon <laughs> Westfield West got up to talk. And I know it's West Virginia. It's next next state over. But I heard some of that that uh, Raylan Givens Kentucky twang in there. Some I I heard some of that. It was just funny listening to them start talking, and I was like, "Huh? Where where do I? Ah, uh, yeah." Then rewatching Justified, he, he came out. You know, he talked about being a blocking tight end, how they were, used him as a blocking tight end, and also about how. He knew going to West Virginia that they don't, that's not really the best place for a tight end to go. They don't really make the most out of their tight ends at West Virginia. They don't really showcase their tight ends. But that was his dream school. He grew up in Martinsburg, West Virginia, I believe, which is a northeastern part. Uh, but he grew up in West Virginia, and West Virginia University is where he really wanted to go. And he went in there knowing that that probably wasn't going to be the best spot to maximize his potential as a tight end. But that was his dream school. That's where he wanted to go. So he went there, and he talked about his blocking. He thinks he can. He definitely has the talent and ability to be more of a receiver. Gase talked about that, too. Gase talked about uh, using 
watching him. They didn't see a lot of it because he didn't use it, but when he did, they saw it and it popped out to them. So he's he's excited for that, but right now he's ready to come in and be that blocking tight end, to be that inline tight end, and to play his part in there and use that Kentucky, West Virginia's twang to do it all while he's doing it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All I can think of when you're describing this is, hello, Raylan. <laughs> yes, yes, just, just like that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was just sitting there listening to it, and it took me a couple of sentences, and I was just like, oh, man, he's hanging out with Boyd Crowder. I want you to hide that dope. Where? I don't know, and I don't want to know it's going to be my insurance. Insurance for what? For walking out of that hotel room. Crossboard, if you're that worried about walking out, why even walk in? Because procrastination has never been a part of my nature. Yeah, like it, it, it was definitely recognizable. It's a little bit different. There's a little distinction there. Again, he grew up more northeast, so it's a little away from Kentucky. But but there's a lot of similarities in that twang. And I I always get a kick out of accents, especially southern accents. They all I don't know why, but I, I they delight me for some reason. Fire in the hole. Yes. <laughs> Anybody that hasn't seen Justified yet, go ahead and binge watch it. Do yourself a favor, especially since it's the off season now and you've got time because you're not spending all these hours watching football. One of my all-time favorite shows. So many great storylines, and the actors are incredible. Everybody from the aforementioned Mr. Boyd Crowder, a.k.a. Walton Goggins, Timothy Oliphant, who played Raylan Givens, the main character, Nick Searcy, who I loved as Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal Art Mullen, Joel Carter as Ava Crowder, who, by the way, is oof, a 10 out of 10, not to mention Jacob Pitts, who was great as that understated, quiet, but deadly ranger. Marshall Tim Gutterson and I really liked Erica Tazel a lot I had a crush on her a little bit but she really did a great job also in that secondary role a lot of times it was a lot about the tension between Raylan and Art or Raylan and Boyd but it was just a tremendous show lots of great action clever storylines if you haven't watched it yet you really should and I think at some point Chris and I are going to probably stick a few more minutes of justified talk on one of these Q&A podcasts down the line <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm all for that because I, I tore through season one the halfway through season two already and as much as I knew it was a great show, I'm like, oh, man, I forgot how great it was. It is just such a great show, so fun and entertaining. And, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good words about this show. Three more people that I completely forgot, and I can't believe I did because they were such key characters. Caitlin Deaver as Loretta McCready. And, by the way, if you watched that show with Tim Allen, Last Man Standing, she plays his youngest daughter. But that was her first breakout role, and she was tremendous in that also, one of my all-time favorite devious characters on one of these drama shows, Jerry Burns as Win Duffy. Just tremendous yes. stuff. And, of course, Mags Bennett, who is Margot Martindale. She was terrific, too. And, in fact, she was in The Americans afterwards. It yep. was fantastic in that, too. So, again, if you haven't watched Justified, you really should go ahead and do that, especially since I'm sure at some point Chris and I are going to reference it much more on this podcast. But, Chris, as we reference guys with that Kentucky or, in this case, West Virginia twang, We'll talk about Wesco because he's one of the three that actually has signed. Wesco, Austin, and Cashman have all signed their rookie deals. The other three, Polite, Williams, and Adoga, have not yet. That's fairly commonplace, right? It's not anything to get worried about? Yeah, not at all. I, I have seen reports of 
you know, teams getting all their players signed a little earlier than normal this year. That seems to be happening. But this is not nothing to concern about. Uh, be concerned about now at this point. They they'll get it done. There's really with again we we go over this every year. We went over it last year with with Sam Darnold. Obviously, um, that was you know some of the offset language that they were worried about. But for the most part, with these contracts under the new CBA. There's not a lot of wiggle room. The only real wiggle room is in how much of a bonus you're going to get, uh, how much of that's going to be paid up front, and uh, or how much will just be part of your guaranteed salary there. So there's not a lot of wiggle room. You are pretty much locked into a contract that determined by where you're drafted. There's not a lot of negotiation to do there. So some teams like to get it done super quick. The Jets obviously aren't that one of those teams right now. And especially with no rookie camp this year, they're not even practicing out on the field or anything. There's no huge rush. There's nothing to be concerned about right now. You know what, Chris? There was so much news, and I wasn't expecting this because of the rookie orientation and, of course, because of what went on with Adam Gase that we're going to have to save the mailbag portion of this podcast for tomorrow because there really was a lot more news than I was expecting. I thought we were going to do a quick couple of minutes. Ends up being an entire show. So, Chris, we will address the mailbag questions tomorrow. In the meantime, before you go, why don't you tell everybody how they can interact with a very big deal on Twitter and, of course, how they can read your very big deal work at JetsInsider.com. Well, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. You're probably not going to find me on it too much around this time of year, but I will be back once, definitely by mini camps and training camp. I will be back on there. I am taking a little bit of a Twitter hiatus because it's a little bit too much of a hellscape for me right about now. I'm just trying <laughs> to take a take a break from all of it and decompress a little bit, enjoy this this uh, relaxed time of the year. But once OTAs and training camps start up and the season's up, I will be on there. I will be more than happy to answer any questions. And, of course, you can find the work at JetsInsider.com. And, uh, yes, yeah, so we'll have plenty of stuff coming up in the next couple of days and then, obviously, the good stuff around mini camps. I have it on good authority, though, that you might be able to lure Chris onto Twitter if you start a good discussion about Justified. So you can give it a shot. It might work. Yeah, Justified uh, can, can probably get me there. They can probably draw me in for a little bit. <laughs> Try and get a Justified conversation going and get Chris on Twitter where you can follow him at CNimbly. You can also read his work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, We use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.